Hey, what's going on? My name's Lee Hopkins. I pronouns are he, him, his, and you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you replace harmful patterns with new possibilities. In each episode, we'll explore topics that inspire confidence, direction, and resilience. In this episode, I have another interview for you. This interview is with an addictions coach who helps people after recovery, actually helps women after recovery, specializes in that in that field. So this episode was just very free-flowing. We had a nice conversation, and I'm really glad that my guests feel very comfortable with me to share whatever is on their heart, whatever is on their mind. So with that said, with that said, the following conversation comes with a trigger warning. There is discussion about suicide and a bit of death and passing in this episode. So if that is uncomfortable for you, then please feel free to skip this episode and move on to the next one. But if you're okay with that, if you can handle it, I'd just like to let you know, be prepared. It's not a whole lot, but it's there. And we also swear a bit, which is something I think I'm going to continue doing throughout the rest of the podcast series. All right. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, what's going on? My name's Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his. You're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. Today, I told you that I promised I'd get better with introductions, and I just lied. (laughs) Just completely lied. I'm going to let my next guest introduce herself. She is uh, a coach. That's all I'm going to share with you because I'm terrible with introductions. Anyway, um, Tara, please tell the audience about yourself. Hi, my name is Tara Carbert. Um, I'll follow suit and, and share my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am a recovery and life coach. All right. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you're here with us and you're a, you're a life coach. I mean, it's always great to connect with people like that, that have the similar mindset. So I'm sure my audience is really going to enjoy what you bring to the table. And I'm really curious about well, how you got into this too, because um, everyone has always an interesting story. So actually, how did you get started with the coaching? Yeah, I got started with coaching after experiencing my own personal transformation with coaching and realizing how much coaching I had already been doing through my professional life. And so I kind of, kind of a transformation from recruiting, where I was kind of helping coach people through the job search process as I was hiring them and hiring managers on the hiring side of that into um, career coaching, because that just felt like the right thing to do. And I wasn't ready to call myself a life coach yet. And in my career coaching work, my students were like, this model, this works for everything. Like what you created, can we talk about my boyfriend? Can we talk about my parents? Can we talk about my spending? And so my career coaching students kind of brought me further along in that life coaching journey. And then I really went kind of deep with myself, like, well, who do I want to coach? Who am I uniquely qualified to coach? 
And I originally thought that that was people in career transition, but my career coaching students really taught me that that could be anybody. And so I made a decision to focus on coaching women in addiction recovery with one or more years free from their substance or behavior of choice that really want to experience a a significant transformation while also being mindful of their history. All right. So then let me ask, though, why did you decide to coach women in addiction recovery? Of all the things that you could talk about, of all the the ideas out there, your students are saying that they love your your um, they love your model so much that you can apply it on anything, kind of like you can put hot sauce on anything. So why I put hot sauce in everything? <laughs> so good. <laughs> so God, hot sauce. <laughs> hot sauce. Yes, uh, that can cover up any burnt, any burnt anything. <laughs> but. Uh, so tell us, why did you decide uh, to coach women in addiction recovery? Yeah, because I'm one. Um, that's often the answer we find with our coaches is, who do you want to help? Well, I want to help the former me. Um, so I'd yeah. hit this this point in my recovery. Um, you know, I said I'm a recovery and life coach. I failed to mention I'm a compulsive gambler. And I had hit this point in my own recovery journey where I felt like I had to decide between recovery and my ambition. And... Um, I really thought that that was an either or proposition. And as I talked to more women in recovery who have goals, who have dreams, you know, something beyond um, what they're doing today, they struggle with some of that same internal questioning. Like, well, how can I put recovery first and do this big goal? Um, and I really want to want to help show them that, that they can. And the other thing is really helping, you know, kind of stop regretting the past because um, that, mm-hmm. can, that can stand in our way when we're trying to, to go after big goals. Well, yeah, definitely. If we're chained to the past, we have, all, we're depressed. I think what Lao Tzu said, if we're chained to the past, we're, we're living in the past, we're depressed. If we're living in the future, we're anxious and the time is now. That's where we're at peace. Yes. So really need to be focused on working on where you are now and how you can move forward, not necessarily what the future is going to hold and how it's going to be, but how you just can be better with yourself now. So that's what I really like about coaching. And it sounds like that's exactly what you do specifically for women who want to be um, ambitious in career. So I understand it's always been different for careers with men and women because women are expected to do X, Y, and Z and, and possibly stay home and also have kids. And, and that's just not what happens these days. Like, but there's still some of that cloudy stuff in the air where it's like, well, these are the expectations that are upon me, but also, you know, as a woman, you have ambition, you want to do something. So I imagine that you help people with that as well. Like, so can you tell us a little bit about, um, some of the experiences with that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I help people with anything really, but uh, I have a career history that includes doing recruiting. So oftentimes people come to me when they're looking to make a pivotal change. Um, and that, that work is, is often centered around thought work and mindfulness and really helping people intimately get to know themselves so that they can watch for some patterns 
This is why I mm -hmm. love the name of your show. Um, so that they can watch for some patterns in their own life that show them they can, right? And if you're a person in recovery, there's some pretty good evidence that you can do some hard things. Um, but when you're in the thick of it and you're kind of stuck in your own mind, you can get in your own way and believing that maybe you're not the right person to do that thing. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if I actually answered your intended question, but... That's, why I heard That's okay. I don't even know if I really ask a real question. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to, I'm curious about um, you, more about you. And so you said that you were, a compulsive, you were a compulsive gambler. So what was the thing that that you recognized about that pattern that you decided that you wanted to change? Yeah. So the, I mean, the gambling, the compulsive gambling that pattern is the one that really opened up my mind to all of the underlying patterns, getting help and, and seeking therapy and 12 step support and coaching for myself really helped me to get underneath it and see what was, what was buried, right? What the gambling was a symptom. And at the mm -hmm. root of my core patterns were two main things, self-distraction and self-destruction. And I was using self-destruction as a form of distraction. You know, these escapism methods, whether that be substances or gambling. And gambling is really just the one that that got a hold of me in such a tight grip that I couldn't stop without help. And that's truly what, what got me to my knees, kind of crawling into a 12-step room and saying, I don't know what else to do. And I, I, I don't know how to stop without help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you just kind of reached a point where you didn't like how the world was or or how your life was for and you wanted to to change that yeah i mean i was devast financially devastated i was in debt you know i lost nearly everything and i found myself doing things that i didn't want to do in order to keep feeding that addiction I mean, i'm not a person who thinks that lying is like a cool thing you should do every day but when i was walking into the casino and my phone would ring and someone's you know what are you doing like oh i'm busy or can you hang out this weekend? No, I'm busy. And my I'm busy was a complete <laughs> lie. Like I wasn't busy. I was at a casino by myself feeding money into a machine or trading chips for cash for chips at a blackjack table. Mm, I would say that that's a that's a half truth that you were saying. Like I'm busy. You actually are. <laughs> I must be a terrible person. <laughs> I, I was busy. <laughs> but I, you know, I like I deprioritized things that that were important to me, right? My home, my family, my friendships, mm -hmm. um, my work still had a high priority. But I think you know, there's an underlying self-destructive pattern that I was using at work too, right? Because at, at work, I was you know, I was good at my job and I was achieving things. So there was some sort of like external force yeah, saying some tangible saying, oh, you're, success you're good here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's exactly what popped into my head when you said that, like, yeah, definitely where it gets a competitive environment where you're success, success. And you can win. The, yeah. It's winning. It's winning. <laughs> Take that Charlie Sheen. Pro, okay. So old reference. But uh, I was I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, a little more about escapism. Can you explain what escapism is to the audience? Yeah, I mean the larger pattern when I talk about that distraction destruction relationships could 
you can probably best summarize that by saying like my life wasn't my own. Like the net impact of all the years I'd been doing that was I hadn't processed a lot of the pain that I'd experienced in my life instead of letting the pain be there. I was seeking to mute it, to ignore it, to pretend it didn't exist. And the best way for me to do that was just to go do something else and go distract myself. And, you know, alcohol, drugs, and gambling are really great numbing agents when you don't want to feel or when you want to feel really good. Yeah. So the, you know, I'm running from pain and running towards pleasure. And we're in a society that tells us, you know, we're supposed to be happy all the time. <laughs> so, um, so that that's part of what I was escaping. I think the other or mm. how I was practicing escapism. I, and I think the other thing I was doing in my life, you know, easy to see this in hindsight is I was kind of bending and twisting to meet the needs of others, not really giving true consideration to what I wanted. And I, instead of, you know, I, so I wasn't being real. I wasn't being authentic. I wasn't honoring myself. I didn't even know who the hell I was. Right. So I, I shut that off by turning to the escapism because I had thoughts and feelings about how my life was going, but I wanted to just shut it up instead of taking the time to like listen to it and get in tune with it and understand, you know, maybe this feeling is actually a signal about what you should or shouldn't be doing in your life. Yeah. Wow. That is really eye opening about what you, your experience. And it sounds a lot like mine. You know, I, I, I mean, probably a lot like a lot of other people where you're lost and you don't know exactly what you want to do or where you want to go. And I was drinking a whole lot. That was my thing. I did. I just kind of vegged out. I, I would do Netflix. That was my escapism or just vegging and trying not to feel like I'm useless, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it, that, cause that was reality. And then instead of, instead of trying to figure out like, why am I useless? I'm not really useless. I'm pretty talented. I just have to find the right talent. Right. And and it's that introspection, it's that hard work to look at and like pinpoint, just like you said, like in society, people want to be happy all the time. They say that happiness is where it is. So if you're not being happy, what's wrong with you? Fake it. Keep faking it. What's yep. wrong with you? Yep. Yeah. And it just gets to be a point where it's too much. Like that meme with the, I don't even, is it a cat? But the meme where like the, the whole room, the office is burning down and sitting there with a coffee cup like, fine, oh, yeah. fine, I'm fine. The dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. Just like, yeah, and the whole world's on fire, but this is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it's so, it's so, I, I want to use the word toxic to say toxic happiness because that, that kind of thinking, because you need duality with it. You have to have some good and some bad or, or some light and some dark, some up and some down. You don't know which one is which. And then so you like confuse the two. And I think that's what happens when we're just so focused on just be happy. Whatever other part of a humanity that we have is, is repressed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so then, I mean... If it didn't fall into like happy, fun, or exciting, like I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't know how to feel sad or lonely or hurt without shutting it off. 
And, you know, one of the things I learned how to do was, was how to feel. Um, and when you've been muting them for a really long time through escapism, whatever form that might take for you, mm-hmm. um, and you stop realizing the spectrum of emotions we have as humans are, are truly a gift if we can tune into them, feel them, give them the space that they deserve and use them in a way to learn more about ourselves and, and maybe where we're supposed to be going, tuning into that energy. Yeah, I'm a big fan of tuning into these emotions. I mean, I've not talked to them for so many years and now there's so many of them. Yeah. I didn't even know there were so many. It's like, right. wow. Right. Yeah. And they're all kinds of useful and interesting. I was like, oh, a new feeling. Who is this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a friend. <laughs> yeah, this is this is different. So then when you started to come into these feelings and realize that you had them, they're coming out, what was like how did you end up dealing with that? Like um they're all new, it's a whole new experience. How are you navigating it? Yeah, I I it wasn't just like one thing, right? It was kind of a confluence of adding tools to the toolbox bit by bit and kind of slowly growing into who I am today. Um, I like to think of it of kind of the tools and I, I sit on these, I sit on this three-legged stool of support today. I, it's three things for me that kind of have to be in place to, to kind of maintain, right? My ability to stay out of the old patterns and live into my possibility and live into my dreams. And that's, therapy to unpack shit from the past if I need to. I'm sorry. I didn't even ask you if it's okay to swear. I didn't even say if it was. Go ahead. Say more. Okay. <laughs> so therapy kind of for, for unpacking the past, the history, and looking at how history affects me today and kind of helps me with some self-compassion. Like, oh, your dad committed suicide when he was three. I think that's a pretty normal thing for um a teen girl to look at and think she didn't matter. And when you think you don't matter, it's pretty normal that you might, you know, want to not develop close bonds with people because you think they're going to (laughs) die and that their relationship doesn't matter. So unpack, that was just like one of many things I had to unpack from the past. And I really needed therapy for that because I was kind of, I didn't even want to look there, right? It's like just keep Mm -hmm. it, keep it in the cold, dark closet and, and we're not opening that door. Um, so I really needed some therapy and still do sometimes when I when I'm stewing on something from the past and I can't seem to to find out how it's affecting me today. My 12 step mm. program, um, that's the program of recovery I chose and still choose to help stop stay stopped from gambling. And, and that really keeps me kind of rooted in the presence, the the day at a time principles and the focus on now and that, you know, every day is one day um, is, is very useful to, to staying here. And then coaching is for me to kind of look at present and forecast, right? Like, so what do I want in the future and kind of how do I build the plan to get there? What am I going to need to feel? How am I going to need to, how am I going to need to prepare myself to be the who I want to be tomorrow, one year from now and beyond? That's remarkable. I really like the, the 
how you place that in the past, present, and then looking toward the future with, because all those tools are exactly it. So if anyone out there was ever confused about the difference between coaching and therapy, that is pretty much the difference. The therapy will kind of unpack the past and the coaching will really help you work towards the future. I'm not saying that um, therapy can't help you work towards the future, but coaching is specifically for working towards the future. Yeah. So, um, I, I couldn't help, but if, I mean, if you all saw the video, um, I couldn't help, but make a face when you just kind of casually said the thing about your dad when you were three, I was like, whoa, that yeah. is, that's that not is it. I mean, difficult. that's one. Yeah. My mom, so my dad committed suicide when I was three. Um, I got pregnant when I was 21 <clears throat> and then Three years later, my mom died of cancer. Oh, wow. And then nine years later, her mom, oh, I, I skipped my grandpa in there. Grandpa was like a major father figure. He died when I was 15. My mom died when I was 25. Her mother died when I was 34. And then my stepdad, the man I grew to call dad, um, he died when I was 35. Holy shit. Now I said, I said the word because, I mean, it's just like, no one you would be afraid to make any kind of connection because holy this everybody around you is just i can't i don't even have words for it because i'm so in my head about it but uh um it's a lot yeah it's a i can take some space and get you know it it is a lot and and i was trying you know we talked about the fine 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 i you know, I was still going to work and still being a mom and still um, still achieving at work and kind of putting on this I'm strong face to the world despite all this tragedy. And I grew up in a home where, you know, you had an emotion, you had a drink. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't have I didn't have the tools. I wasn't taught I wasn't taught healthy coping mechanisms. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about how he was perfectly parented. I don't know if you, you ever, I know. um, he, no, I don't know who that is. He's, he, if you look him up, you'll see he's kind of in a lot of places, but he does a lot of kind of bite-sized videos. And there was this video he did that talked about where he was perfectly parented and, you know, that enabled him to be where he is. And I was like, well, damn, like I, I wasn't now what, <laughs> now what? Um, yeah, you yeah. know, I think that our generation, the generation before us, they were in you know fight or flight mode. They didn't have real tools to hand down to us either. They right. did the best that they could. And so right. I'm wondering, well, this guy's perfectly parented. Like, how did that happen? Like, yeah, he's got a cool story. And he's, uh, he's definitely, he's not, he's a businessman, kind of social media marketing guru. I shouldn't even call him a guru. I don't know that he would claim the title but people give him the title he's written a lot of books but his approach is very like no bs in your face oh. and and it, his style kind of works for me so i started consuming his content right around the time i quit corporate and started my first business ah okay i want to dive into to that but before i do i want to step back because you mentioned something about um being a strong woman and being fine and feeling like that so when you see people who are doing just that, can you spot them right away? 
you're like this woman, she's completely stressed out and she's like kind of putting on a front. Can you, can you see that right away? I can hear it. You can hear it. I can hear it often in the language she chooses. Um, I don't always, I don't always try to do anything about it, but I can certainly recognize it and I can absolutely recognize escapism. What does it sound like? <clears throat> escapism? Yeah. Or- because like, well, what she says, like, what are some of the things that, well, if she was talking to you, what would she be saying to you that, that would kind of give it away? Yeah. Like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm fine. I mean, it's, it's absolutely that exact phrasing. I'm fine. <laughs> or I'm going to be okay. Or these things happen, you know, and it, um, kind of like you caught me when I talked about my dad, right? It's like, oh, you just breezed right past that. It's kind ah. of this rushed, um, you know, if you if you go to someone trying to console them in a certain situation and they want to rush through it and rush past it, and I still do this today sometimes with Me things too. that hurt. Mm-hmm. Um you can you can sense that they're rushing through it and they, they don't want to look there, right? And that they're they're not coping. Gotcha. Yeah, I imagine as you said that, like it kind of rushed out. I was thinking about how it could be like uh, this emotion they're building up inside and then just a little bit got out, like just a little bit. But oops, we didn't mean to do that. I just want to tuck that back in there. Let's not talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I I can't help but to notice, though, that the word I'm fine now um Longstanding joke between men and women. It's been a thing where women say they're fine and they're like, you don't feel fine. I'm fine. Are you sure things are fine? <laughs> it's not fine. <laughs> it is funny. I'm it's fine. fine. Screaming, I'm fine at you by the fifth time you've asked, and two days later, she tells you what was wrong. Yeah, it was wrong. Yeah, like, oh man. And I can tell you that. Um, on one of my podcasts, like I taught an episode, I talked about being resentful, and that's exactly a thing I would do. Like I may be, I may not say I'm fine. I may just be like, "All right," make a face and just. I'll get uh, next time we talk. I'm going to be so upset and just going to throw everything out at you. So it happens with everyone. Um, oh yeah, you yeah you started learning more about yourself in the process of uh your transformation yeah and what did you really discover about yourself yeah that there was a lot there but the things that stand out the most to me and the things that i chose to do some pretty significant work on for my own personal growth was that i didn't believe in myself and that i had this pattern of you know self self self-loathing you know was was part of part of my pattern. And I was also um, really caring a lot more about what other people thought of me than what I thought of myself. And that was, um, that was pretty arresting, if you will, kind of stopped me dead in my tracks. And, and I got real curious, like, why, why is that what's happening. Um, and it was happening enough that, that I really decided to pay close attention to it. The things I was saying to and about myself and also the things that I was worried about other people thinking. Um, 
So that's the big, the big pillars of learning, but there's a whole lot underneath it. Well, um, yeah, I'd like to explore a little more if you, if that's okay, because yeah. like, I think that a lot of people will find that they are looking at themselves and thinking, why do I want to appease this person? And they come to that realization, but maybe they don't get underneath that. So if you can share about a little more about what you found. Yeah. Um, I guess it, I guess it was finding this pattern of, you know, seeing I'm like, I'm about to do something. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I catch myself wondering like, Oh, I wonder what so-and-so would think of this. And Ah. like, go, you know, go solicit input from the world before making sometimes even the most basic decision, like what lipstick color to wear, (laughs) you know? Oh, wow. Like, Oh, I'm putting, you know, here's this outfit. Like I, like, lacking confidence in my own belief in my ability to make decisions. Um, so, th- I mean, that was a pretty, that was a pretty, uh, I can't even think of the word. Like, <laughs> that's an example. That's like, it's so obvious that I was, you know, not making decisions for myself. I, I certainly wasn't consulting people every time I picked an outfit or whatever, but I, I really was very much concerned about what other people thought of me. And, you know, I would do things and then somebody would give me unsolicited input. For mm. example, maybe I make a post on social media and someone would say to me, you know, you shouldn't do that. Like, oh, okay, I won't. Or yeah. you should try this. Oh, okay, I should. You mm-hmm. know, or you should go for that job. You should work for this company. And or responding to other people's needs like somebody needed me and they needed something from me and like forget my plans everything i plan to do out the window i needed to go to them and help them because if i didn't were they still going to be my friend oh my what would goodness they think of me if i didn't show up yeah that fix it brain that fix it thing that's what I, that sounds so familiar to me it's like um i got to fix it i'll fix it and it's really difficult to catch that sometimes where I'm like uh, someone asked me to do something and it may only take uh, five minutes or, or 10 minutes, but it's really going to derail what I'm doing now. So I look at them and think, uh, I want to say that I can do this. This is internal dialogue. Yeah. I want to say I can do it. No problem, but it's really going to derail me. They know it's only going to take five minutes. I know it's only going to take five minutes but it's really going to derail me. I should tell them, what? I don't know. What should we do? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's such a simple request, but yet it has this spiral downward impact on something I'm trying to do for me. You know, I'm putting other people's needs ahead of my own Mm -hmm. because I want them to keep liking me. (laughs) Yeah. And then lo and behold, like that is a thing people dislike. I mean- people really don't like that. If you're a person who doesn't have boundaries, who's a pushover, who will just give everything, who seems super needy, like I was, it's just unattractive. And that's, this is not a, there's a word for this. All I've got is double-edged sword, three words. (laughs) I don't catch 22. I don't have the word for it. There's two words, catch 22. Yeah, catch 22. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so then 
I found that when I started to recognize when that happened, when, so you, you clearly spot it when it's coming on, you're like, Hey, all right, I'm, well, maybe I can make this. I'll stop this decision. I'll stop this pattern. I mean, so when you, when I discovered that I was doing that, then people actually stopped um, giving me advice and input, not not giving me input or anything like that. I'm curious if that has happened to you because like now you post things on social media with, you know, what's your intention out there to share and it's what you want to do. It's what you want to put out there. And if somebody comes to you, I mean, have people like suggested you not do this or do do this? Do you find that it happens more often or less often? So lately, um, lately, not as much have I gotten that kind of feedback. I find now that I I go solicit input if I want it. Um, unsolicited feedback, maybe it's still coming, and I now know how to ask me for my opinion and and not let it affect me the same way I used to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I think I used to take it really to heart and be like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I should change everything because that person thinks this. I mean, and you're like, <laughs> you're changing who you are like every day based on who you're trying to please. That's not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. So you're like a, like, like a puppet. <laughs> um, I, I would say, so I think maybe what you're getting at is like, did my relationships shift when I stopped doing that? Is that the. You know, I can go there. I, I, let me clarify then, because okay. I was thinking um, it's all about, I was thinking about the law of attraction and this idea that if you are looking for people to tell you what to do, then they're going to appear everywhere. But now that you have your own confidence and ideas, you're just like, hey, you know, eh. if, and like you said, if people are soliciting or giving you advice, you don't even see it. You don't pay much attention to it. So yeah. I imagine this, it would stop, it would stop showing up. But I wasn't yeah. clear with the question. Yeah, I'm not. It's not really showing up as much, and um, when it does, it's not. Um, it doesn't have the weight that it did. I used to give it so much weight and think, you know, I should change everything um, based on one little bit of feedback from somebody. Yeah, and then for me, I was especially sensitive because the feedback didn't even have to be directed towards me. It could be about something and I would hear it and I'm like, oh my God, they don't like me. They hate me <laughs> or something like that. And that's just as devastating. Yeah. So and uh, the relationships that you have have changed because now you have decided that you are going to listen to yourself more often. Can you tell us a little more about how they've changed? Yeah. Um, part you, I, you mentioned the word boundaries and I think the relationships have changed in the context of like the things I do or the things I choose to spend time on. And, you know, I like going to the bar and being out all night is, is no longer really of interest to me. And so the relationships that I have with the people that I did that with all the time have evolved, you know, maybe we'll grab brunch or we'll spend time talking on the phone instead uh, my relationships that I want to cultivate and grow with my family in particular, I'd say those are healing and those are getting better. You know, I'm intentionally taking time to do outreach and taking time to connect. And, you know, I don't talk about 
things that I'm doing or seek approval for what I'm doing. It's now more like an update, <laughs> like, oh, hey, here's what's going on. Where I think before when I would talk about what was going on in my life, I was kind of looking for the atta girl or we're proud of you or, mm -hmm. or what have you. And I've found a way to give that to myself that I don't need to, to seek it from from outside. The other thing I would say has significantly changed is my dating pattern. Um, I used to hang on a lot to maybe relationships that I knew at some level weren't weren't right for me. And I tried dating again since ending a, a not so healthy relationship. And I saw that pretty quickly I was able to then look at it and go, you know what, this person just isn't the right person for me. Where I used to internalize and think that there was something wrong with me or that my expectations were wrong or that I should compromise on this one thing that actually was a core value for me in order to have what the world told me I should have, which is a husband in order to be happy. Um, and I've gotten really comfortable with being single and I actually haven't been on a date. I'm looking at the calendar on my computer right now. I haven't been on a date in like a year and a half. So this has been pre-COVID. So this pre -COVID. is like, <laughs> that's and I'm, and awesome. I'm happy. I, I, I'm right with you there. I mean, like, there's nothing like understanding who you are before you can even try and get into a relationship or anything like that. Right. And spending that time learning more about yourself. So you're happy. What do you do with your time as a single person? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. In COVID as well, right? Like what everybody else is doing. Create a podcast. <laughs> yeah. a good, good. Let's see. I started a podcast. There you decided go. Decided to change my business. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, I spent a lot, a lot more time reading and journaling um, and learning, you know, learning new stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to podcast. I, I had this idea quite some time ago, but hadn't acted on it. Um, because I was kind of having an errant thought, right? Like, I don't know how to do that as if I don't have the capability to learn. So I've been spending mm -hmm. time kind of self-educating and learning things, learning how to be a better coach. I got a recovery coaching, you know, kind of official credential. Um, and I've been learning a lot more about the mental health community. Want to make sure as I, you know, as I provide services to women in recovery, although, I am practicing life coaching that I'm acutely aware of when I may need to interrupt what I'm doing and say, hey, I coaching isn't the appropriate approach. Like you need, you know, you need treatment or you need a therapist. And I'm in I'm specifically working with women who have a year or more free from an addiction. But in order to serve them well, I really wanted to be prepared to identify when I wasn't the right coach or when coaching wasn't appropriate for what they're going through. Wow. That just sounds really wonderful. I mean, you've done a lot of introspection and growth and like just working towards the person that you want to be. And I think that that really ties into really just believing in yourself. Like you talked about earlier, just like deciding that what you want is what you want and not considering maybe considering other people's thoughts, but not absorbing them as your own or trying to adjust to them. So then um, I understand that you have a program that kind of helps people do that. Uh, is that right? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I have two, two ways people can work with me. 
um, they can go deep where we we almost always, depending on, on the person's needs, but we almost always start with kind of that foundational believing in yourself. Um, and that's breakthrough coaching. That's one-on-one, a 12-week program with me. And then I also, because a barrier for coaching for me was affordability, I decided to take all the programs I design with and for my students and kind of break them down into little mini bite-sized self-coaching offerings. So I have a course called Believing in You, and I can get you a link to that if you want to share it in your show notes with your audience. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And that is, you know, comes with a workbook that's, you know, a month of exercises that walk, walk people through a process of kind of building awareness, gaining some insight, making some decisions if they want to keep holding on to those beliefs, and if not, a plan for how to evolve from what you believe today into what you want to believe in the future. Wow, that sounds really awesome. I mean, uh, based on everything that you said and I've learned about you, you really know how to get someone to where they want to be, believe in themselves. So I'm really interested. So about... I, I heard that you, I heard something in there where you were talking about um, women who have been sober for at least one year. Mm-hmm. So can you share why the one year? Yeah. Um, you are not the first person to ask me, including people who want coaching. Um, that first year when you're coming out of an, a reliance on a substance or a behavior to move through life, getting through that first year of kind of learning what your urges feel like and not acting on those urges is really critical to your foundation of growth in recovery. And that first year is when many people are at most risk for relapse. And the last thing I want to be doing is pushing somebody towards, you know, big goals, which I fully believe is possible for people in recovery to go after and and live a life they never imagined was possible. But the last thing I want to do is agitate and urge, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think it takes, in my own own experience and many people that I sit in 12-step rooms with, I think it takes really that first year of, of, staying away from the thing that almost killed you uh, to to start thinking ahead, right? Um, that, that first year of recovery, whatever form of recovery somebody chooses, but but staying away from that behavior for that one year is is really critical to to moving forward and kind of challenging yourself to that next level of growth. Uh, I've yeah. seen many people go faster than that and and have wild success faster than that. But it's a place where I feel comfortable as a coach that I'm not going to push so hard that I trigger a relapse. And I know it would never be my fault, but mm-hmm. it feels like a bit safer of a zone for me to be able to to recognize it. Yeah. And also that, that is definitely care for your your clients as well, because you want to make sure that their, their well-being, you said you don't want to agitate and urge. We've just talked about how devastating... Um, escapism and addiction is we all we both know about it so we won't want to invite the opportunity for someone to go back in that direction right so then what do you tell people who come to you and they say oh man a year you're gonna make a year what do you you suggest that they do something to 
to get ready or yeah for sure i absolutely suggest that they dive into a bunch of self-help text or even take the video course you know my one-on-one coaching where we go in deep um that that's for one or more years right but my video Uh, class or or you know follow inspirational people like look for people like you that stopped that thing and then stayed stopped and went on to do something really amazing that you admire. Look for inspirational sources and figure out where you might need some therapy if you're open to the idea <laughs> of therapy. And therapy and, for all. Yes. Yeah, really kind of spend some time getting in touch with, you know, what what emotions are you most comfortable feeling and what are you least comfortable feeling? And that's all you know, the, the emotions pile on in that first year and you're really just starting to learn about them. And I, you know, I ask people to sit in them for a fair amount of time, which is also part of why, you know, I, I want to be in that greater than one year place. with Yeah, them. because then again, as you say that, it just reminds me of how it can be a distraction. So you're not sitting, you're like, all right, I'm sober. It's been 30 days, it's been 60 days. All right, I'm going to go do the thing. I'm going to go get my life. But you still have more work to do in the process. And you put that coaching on top of it. It's just distraction from doing the work that you need to do. Right. So definitely mindful. It sounds like a great coach to work with. I, And it sounds like you really... Um, really care and are interested in the people that you work with because you know what it is that they need. And you'll make sure that you set up good boundaries to let them know that this is for your sake and also mine, but your sake as well, because I care. So that's really awesome. We're coming out to the end. And I was just curious about, you know, you learned a whole lot about yourself during the process. So that I was and you've talked so much about how your life has changed. You're a coach now and you're inspiring other people. So is there anything that maybe you'd want to leave the audience with to share? Like, what can they do to maybe feel inspired? Or do you have any words of wisdom for them that you haven't already dropped? <laughs> I could talk about this stuff all day because I really want people who are in a pattern today that they want to break to to see what's possible in their lives. So careful what you ask for. <laughs> um, I, I do have, um, you know, I've got like an exercise, like a writing exercise that I always start with, um, whether that be in this self-coaching or, or in my breakthrough coaching with my clients. And this is really about building awareness. Um, so it's like a, a daily writing exercise that you can do, kind of looking at something different every single day to mm-hmm. get a better understanding about what you believe is true or not true about you. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then kind of look for some patterns. <laughs> so um, on the first day, you can take a look at and jot down kind of everything you've said or caught yourself saying throughout the day that started with I am or I am not. Mm-hmm. The next day, you can take a look at the things that other people say to you. So there you are and you are not statements. Mm. And how you react to them. I love this. The next day, take a look at the things you say about other people. So when you start a sentence with they are or they are not, 
politicians don't count. (laughs) 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 And then um, on the fourth day, take a look at the things you say about money or you even think about money as you're making decisions that involve money. And then on the last day, like look through everything you wrote down and, and look for some patterns. And you'll, you'll find it kind of interesting um, what you say like it's the news um, <laughs> or what you believe like it's just absolutely true or what you reject outright. And I had some friends who were, you know, in my circle saying, you're such a good writer. Like, I am not. <laughs> like, so quickly, I would dismiss uh. their you are statement. And... Mm-hmm. In that self-awareness building, it was like, you know, like, why do I think I'm not? Like, I've got a lot of people saying I'm a good writer. Why am yeah. I arguing with that? Right? But we often argue with what other people call our strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no idea why that happens. But, man, it's a shame. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we could discuss that, too. We could discuss that. <laughs> we probably could. Um, but... I'm, I really, really like this exercise because of the awareness portion. And it's about really making yourself understand who you are and looking for specific things. I like how actionable this is. So you at home or wherever you are listening to this podcast, you can give it a, a try because I'm definitely going to do it and see what comes out. See what I think about myself and see what I think about others. I might be surprised. Um, I'm excited to hear your results. <laughs> oh, man. you got to hold me to it. <laughs> no, I will definitely. You might have to come on my it. podcast and talk about, about it. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I would love to. I'll talk about exactly what I found about myself. And it, it's surprising. It'd be surprising. Um, so, you know, I have so much fun just talking to you that when I look at my notes, I think, well, we're, I'm not even really on these notes because when, we, when you're talking, it's its so enjoyable. We go into a different topic and then we laugh and then I forget and then uh, and we're just having a great time. That's really so awesome. Sounds so, like a good interview to me. It does. It does. You sound like a, a really warm person and fun and interesting as well. So I think that everything that you said is really amazing. It really resonated with me, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with others who listen to this. I really just want to uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I have to ask you, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me in lots of places. I first want to say thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I love the name of your podcast. I love the message you're putting out in the world and some of the quotes that you're dropping on Instagram and your commitment to be on (laughs) every day. Um, It's, you know, some of the same quotes that, that I lean on to keep me going on my, on my tough days. So, um, so thank thank you. you. I really appreciate you having me to get in touch with me. There's a few ways people can do that. Um, my website is the easiest, www.ambitiousaddicts.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. The handle there is ambitious, the letter X, and then addicts. And then on Facebook, it's ambitious and addicted. 
All right. Do you do any uh, live streaming or anything? Uh, Facebook, Instagram? I I don't yet. Um, I've been trying to master this podcasting thing and like getting down a schedule. And I find for myself kind of one new thing to master at a time is best for the way that I learn. So I do have a podcast that you can find on all the podcast uh, channels out there. It's the Ambitious Addicts podcast. Um, I am intermittent and not yet uh, consistent with my social, so I'm working on it. I think there probably will be some Facebook Lives or even a Facebook community in the future. But for now, I'm I'm working on nailing what's a plosive and what's EQ and how do I how do I edit a podcast? <laughs> I'm telling you guys, you have to go follow her on social medias. You will, she'll be, I will have everything in my, so in my, bleh. you have to go follow her. I'll be, I'll have everything in the, the show notes so you can check her out. Really awesome. Great person to talk to. Tara, thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Lee, thank you so much for having me again. Have an amazing week. This was a very fun episode. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking with Tara a whole lot. I know that I say that for every guest so far, but I really do enjoy talking with people and understanding their history. And it definitely makes me feel like I'm less alone because in every guest I talk to, I seem to have something in common with them because patterns are everywhere and loneliness is everywhere. So every one of the guests so far has dealt with that in some capacity. Thank you all for for sharing your stories. And Tara, thank you for sharing yours. I really appreciate you opening up so that other people can see what's inside and, and feel healed from that too. I also made a commitment to do the writing exercise. I'm really thrilled about it. So I'm definitely going to give it a shot and I'll probably share that on Instagram live sometime in the future. The next The, the next Instagram live I do, I'll share what I've discovered about myself. And, um, if you decide to do this exercise, please let me know what the results are. I'd really like to share with other people. Again, it's all about connection. So whatever you share, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's thinking and feeling the same way. I'm certain there is. And whatever you share will be helpful to the next person. All right. And with that said, don't forget to check the show notes for everything that Tara just talked about today. All right. Take care.